welcome to Turn About Breakdown, a video game podcast where Diego and I play the Ace Attorney games and talk about them. And I was about to say every week, and then I remember that last week I said every week, and that's a lie. It's every fortnight. <laughs> we are currently playing Ace Attorney Investigations. We're on the third case now. We're, we're barreling through it. Yeah. And I have some high-level thoughts about this case, but I'm curious mm. to see what you think about it, Diego, because we have a kind of long-running feeling about investigations versus the trilogy and i'm curious to see how you're feeling about that having just played this case i think this is like the one i like the most so mm-hmm. far uh which is a good thing but then again the pacing kind of got in the way i think especially in the later half i don't know like the case it's interesting in many ways but i think it got a bit tangled up on like it's like the inner workings of what happened and the how the kidnapping came to be and Whatever. So yeah, it got a bit convoluted towards the end, <laughs> uh, and I kind of like started losing track of it. I was like, okay, but I like it. I like it more than the other two for sure. Yeah, that's basically in line with what I thought. Like I, especially in the first half, was like, okay, we're finally getting into the parts of investigations that I like. Hmm. And I thought the first half was was really really good. Actually, I really enjoyed it. It introduces like a lot of new characters, uh, which is always fun. But they're also good characters in general. And then yeah, I think I still enjoyed the back half of this. I think, but I think when you said it, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Like I think what it is is that they add like an extra layer of complication over the top of it that they really don't need to, which we'll get to in specifics. But yeah, I kind of got that feeling and I think that's kind of a running problem (laughs) in Ace Attorney after the trilogy. Like the trilogy is so... Everything ties together, but it's really simplistic. It's really cut down to only what it needs to really have a huge impact. Whereas after that, they like to add a lot of extra complications, I think. Hmm. That's unfortunate. I mean... It's not like every case we play. I mean, we know for sure that every case we play, like, was it, like, perfect in terms of, like, pacing and such? And I like what it's doing here, where it's, like, at least for now, you're not seeing, like, I don't know, like, a month or, like, a couple months in between periods, in between no. cases. It's Edgeworth's extremely bad 48 hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Edgeworth's extremely, like, bad 48 hours in Las Vegas or something like that. <laughs> And it's cool. I like the, the continuity of it all. I like they keep teasing on this. I mean, we, we find out more about like this uh, larger case and how Interpol is involved. And I love that. And I also love some of the characters that were introduced in this case as well. But then it's like uh, trying to like, I don't know, doing a fucking review once, uh, like over and over again, over the same thing. And it's like, oh, but you don't have evidence for this. <laughs> okay. Let me go back to my mind and maybe I'll find something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's start with the good parts, which is mostly in the first half. Uh, so this case, we talked about it last time because it was sort of set up at the end of case two, which they, like you mentioned, they've been doing that a lot. Edgeworth is called in to help with a kidnapping by his friend, whose name is Ernst Amano, but I kept reading it as Armano, which then I was like, that's just Armando, like Diego Armando, but no. Yeah, 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 yeah. I kept reading it as Armando as well. <laughs> and Edgeworth goes to drop off the ransom money for an, an... Is it Ernst? I feel like it's Ernst, but that doesn't seem right now that I'm saying it. Hang on. Ernst uh, Armando? Ernest. It is just Ernest. <laughs> So yeah, 
yes, he goes to drop off the ransom money at Ernest's request. However, he ends up getting clunked over the head by the proto-badger, which is the most terrifying image in Ace Attorney. Like, we've talked a lot about these illustrations. They have some which are really great. They have some which are really like funny like that one from uh the delights case that one was great um a lot of them are really scary like uh you know we talked about the dl6 not the not the one in the elevator which they use a lot but the one where it shows manfred through the door and he's like grabbing his shoulder where he's been shot screaming that one's scary the fucking proto badger like it's not even an illustration it's an animation of like three frames where they just fucking badger like the blue badger, but with completely blacked out eyes, mm-hmm. stands up, walks towards Edgeworth, and then hits him over the head with a fucking sword. It's very scary. The proto badger is terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that part in like the haunted house, it was so, so fucking cool and so well done that, yeah, it was legitimately terrifying to watch. I like that. So Edgeworth is tied up in this haunted house. And um, basically gets rescued by uh, a new character called Kay, who immediately becomes his weird little girl. We've talked about how every Ace Attorney protagonist needs a weird little girl to follow him around. Obviously, (laughs) for Phoenix, that was mostly Maya, sometimes Pearl. At one point, for a short time, it was Francisca. Well, we've now finally met the weird little girl of Ace Attorney Investigations. It took a while, but I think... Oh, okay. Nice. (laughs) <laughs> I thought it was going to be like just like an isolated case. Well, we know that, sh- that she's in the next case as well. Hmm. So we know she's at least somewhat. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also she does introduce herself. So her name's Kay Faraday, but she introduces herself as the great thief Yatagaratsu. So we also know that has somehow involved in the big case because it's come up a few times. So and that leads to some really great interactions between her and Edgeworth, because obviously she's just like, yeah, I want to steal everything. And Edgeworth's like, um, <laughs> what the fuck is going on with her? Kay is really great. Like, I'd forgotten how much, like, personality Kay has. Like, yeah. I always thought, you know, oh, well, they just have to put, like, a sidekick in this game, like an assistant, because that's how they do things. But she is really, like, she is really off the wall in a really endearing way. <laughs> <laughs> And then I did write Gotta Be the Best Character theme song outside of the trilogy, and then later on we get introduced to somebody else, and I was like, wait, maybe that one's better, but her character theme is really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, they both rule for, like, different reasons, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, the first part here is Kay and Edgeworth escaping from the room where he's he's locked up, which I think is a fun use of the investigation mechanics, because it's not so much, like, Oh, prove this one specific thing. It's just like, okay, we've got to take in our surroundings and we've got to get out of here somehow. Yeah. But once we do get out of here, we learn that this whole theme park is based on the police, I guess. It's a very strange setup. <laughs> so their mascots are like the Blue Badger, which is like the the police mascots. And then there's also all these spin-offs, which is the Proto Badger, which is the first one that they made, which is why it looks so creepy. The Pink Badger, who's the girl one, obviously. And, um... What the fuck? The bad badger. <laughs> I forgot what his name was because they're just like, he's a criminal and he has a gun. And a beard. Because and of a course. beard, yeah. And sunglasses. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
It's uh, it's very funny. Like the whole idea of having a cop theme park. I'm honestly surprised it doesn't exist in real life. But Edgeworth is like, this is not a suitable use of <laughs> of state money, uh, which obviously isn't. But you know, both that world and this world, it seems like a thing that would happen. Mom, can we go to <laughs> to police theme park? God, I just please? had a I just had a fucking <laughs> flashback to when I was in America one time. And I was at, um, like, an outdoor mall. Like, it was just this place where they had all these different shops and, like, food court and stuff. And I saw a little, little kid, like, maybe four years old, in a... And it was Halloween. It wasn't Halloween exactly, but it was, like, around Halloween. And this, this kid was obviously in a Halloween outfit. And, like, I think he was with, like, some of his siblings or something. Anyway, the, the end of the story is that it was a fucking SWAT team police or outfit was his Halloween costume. No. Some flashback to that, anyway. Uh, so yeah, as I said, it seems like a thing that would happen. Um, yeah, and then I guess um, this is kind of goes back to what I was saying about escaping the room, but I was thinking more and more about how investigations mechanics happen, because obviously that's mostly what we've been talking about, um, and how they affect the pacing and stuff. And like, I like logic, the mechanic, but it just adds this weird extra step. Like, if you were playing most point-and-click adventure games... You would find a key, like you do in this, and then you would find the trapdoor, and like the game would know, oh, you've seen the key already, or if you hadn't, then you would go and find it, right? But mm-hmm. in this one, you have to like connect up the two thoughts in Edgeworth's head that's like, we have a key and we have a trapdoor. And it's like, it just adds this extra layer where it's like either really obvious that that's what you need or it's just like wait hang on how did i even how was i expected to get this like i feel like it it's way more difficult to balance in that way and that's definitely something that the ace teddy has already struggled with so i love the idea of h word like only finding out now how keys work basically <laughs> but it feels like that right it's like i don't know it feels weird um and then just one other note on this is that I realized when they were escaping the room that like Kay has so many animations, which is really fun as well. So mm. she like, so this is kind of more on the positive side of what Investigations brings to the series is like with this sprite work where, you know, you see them running around and stuff, it brings them a little bit more uh, animation. Like, <laughs> I just said she has more animations in the technical sense, but it brings more animation in the liveliness sense as well, right? Yeah. So pros and cons to investigations, um, and I'm glad that, like, I think it fits really well with Kay's character to have her in this style because she's just a very, a very animated person to continue that line. <laughs> <laughs> but once we get out of the locked room, we meet Inspector Agent Lang. I don't think it's Inspector. I've been watching Inspector Montalbano recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Agent Lang. He's an Interpol agent, and maybe he has the best song. Actually, they're both very good, as I as we just said. <laughs> Yeah, I'm literally, like, listening to the song in my head right now, like, remembering <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it's so, like, easy to remember, definitely. He rules. I- I'm yeah? just gonna say that. Yeah. <laughs> you wanna, you wanna say more? Or you just, that's it. I mean, <laughs> I could be on brand and say, yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I, I think like... that's on brand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, on brand is just saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> No. <laughs> I think I think he, he makes for like a cool I don't know like antagonist for Miles like right away. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I like the kind of like the rivalry that they are setting up in this case. Yeah. And I'm curious to see more. But I mean, we get to see like a lot of it just show from this case alone that I really like. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Because I was just saying in the last episode that like we kind of need that rivalry to like get things moving. Mm-hmm. And I think that when Lang is in this case and is being the rival that's when it's doing well but then Lang kind of steps back for that last third which we were saying kind of gets annoying so I think that goes towards my theory and I've only just thought about that but I I'm quite pleased (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. you're absolutely right (laughs) so yes Lang is an Interpol agent who has like 99 other Interpol agents with him who kind of (laughs) consider him to be like their teacher I mean specifically at least in the English translation, they call him Shifu, which is like like a martial arts trainer, right? Which goes towards Lang's like kind of exotification as uh, it goes back to what we were saying about the fake countries, right? Because he's from Zengfa, which is the fake Asian country that they made up, which is kind of clearly like Chinese influenced, I guess, mm. in the way that they do it like he he literally says oh yeah in my country he says he says uh Zhichi. sorry my pronunciation is not good but um he's like yeah that's how we say thank you in my country which is literally just like mandarin for thank you <laughs> so it's a bit like okay, oh, okay. <laughs> uh i guess they literally just speak chinese and sing far and you know he's always uh like calling back to his ancestor who is called who is also called what's his ancestor lang ji right lang ji i think so yeah and they're always like, oh, Langji says, and then some kind of proverb, which is how, like, Confucian proverbs or, like, philosophy was traditionally written. So, yeah, drawing a lot on those types of things. And again, I don't think it's necessarily bad in itself, but it's definitely something that, like, raises, like, I don't know, it raises my awareness of it because I'm just like, okay. So they, they don't want to say that he's just Chinese, but they're basically, like, implying it, but then they put it into a fake country. Like, why would you do that? It kind of gets you thinking, you know? Yeah. Just say he's fucking Chinese, and that's it. Given they talk about, like, America. Like, this is set in America, very specifically. Um, obviously, it's, like, a different version of America, but still. Um, anyway, Lang is is annoyed with Edgeworth. At first, because he let Hicks die, the the agent in the Turnabout Departures case. I'm calling it Turnabout Departures. We've renamed it. (laughs) And then a bit later on, we learn that he just hates prosecutors, which is very funny to have, like, a cop-prosecutor rivalry because, like, throughout this series so far, they've just basically worked together completely, so... But that's because of some quote-unquote history from his country. So again, it's just a thing where they're like, yeah, things work differently over in Zengfa. Hmm. Anyway, Edgeworth is very upset because uh, <laughs> Lang, quote, mocks the court and also calls him a filthy prosecutor. And he <laughs> he talks so much about... Like, he gets so offended at the idea that a prosecutor would be corrupt. And I'm like, Miles, Miles demon prosecutor Edgeworth... <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta take some responsibility for this. Yeah, not sure about that one personally. He's just trying to like hide his past mistakes because he knows that like <laughs> new players are coming in fresh to this series. <laughs> it's, it's like, true. oh yeah. <laughs> but that's not how you atone, Edgeworth. You've gotta you gotta <laughs> I, I do I'm joking, but I do genuinely think that like this was an opportunity for Edgeworth to be like, yeah, like prosecutors in this country and clearly also in Zengfa, like, are fucked up and like I'm trying to I, like I said, atone for this. I think there's a way of doing that. And I think it's yeah. interesting, right? Because not to jump ahead too much, but Ace Attorney Investigations 2 
is like so much about this question of like what it means to be a prosecutor and like whether Edgeworth wants to keep being a prosecutor. And it's really funny because like Investigations 2 really leads on from the trilogy more than Investigations 1 does. So I wonder like, I wonder what the decisions were there, you know, like in terms hmm. of like focusing on Edgeworth's arc or like emotional arc more. Because I feel like if this conversation had come up in Investigations 2, like Edgeworth is constantly thinking in that game about like whether prosecuting is inherently evil. <laughs> and I think this would have been more interesting to have in that context, you know. Anyway, I will get back to the game that we are playing. That's interesting, though. I look forward to seeing like how that's handling like the next game. Me too. Because honestly, I thought more of it was in this game. So, <laughs> curious. There's some banter here between Kay and Gumshoe, where she keeps saying that she's replacing him as the supporting role, which you noted as like a really meta joke about Gumshoe. And it is interesting. Like, I feel like there's a few of those through this game, uh, especially through this case. And I think it has to do with like, a lot of this game is very... Like, it's constantly winking at the audience, right? Like, every time they talk yeah. about that man as Phoenix. Like, basically, because it's always calling out to, like, oh, if you've played the trilogy, you'll get this reference. I think it can be a lot more self-referential and, like, meta, you know? Which I think is fun. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised to see, like, as he was saying, like, supporting role. Uh, and then at some point he's called, like, oh, yeah, here it comes, like, the, the comedic relief or something like that. And I was like, okay, okay. I mean, poor Gamshu, he's always, like, taking all the hits, but, yeah, those tweets were funny. But that is kind of his role, you know? Like, again, if we're looking at it from a meta level, which obviously we are doing, but, yeah, I don't know, it is, it is really interesting, and uh, I think it definitely goes towards, like, how Investigations works as a game, <laughs> and how much of it is just fan servicey. So, we meet Ernest again. He talks like Grossberg, which is weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, so many characters in this game have, like, in the trilogy, right? So many characters, and in this game, in the series as a whole, most characters have a really distinctive way of talking. So when one of them talks like somebody else, it feels really wrong. Yeah, it's weird. I, I like the, I think he says, like, wait, or like, hold on. Oh, yeah, and he's got that uh, animation. Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, and the conversation also, like, goes slowly, like, war per war uh whenever he does that that's a fun bit yeah i think this is interesting actually is that when ernest first appeared and was basically he's like oh i was a friend of uh, of mad von karma's your mentor i had forgotten that like later on in the game he's like the villain of the case so i was like i can't believe they made him a manfred fan uh but in hindsight it makes a lot of sense right <laughs> um and i'm kind of glad they did it that way around because they haven't really talked about Manfred in this game very much. So it's interesting for him to come up in this context where he's clearly close to this horrible billionaire guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then speaking of this game being pretty fanservice-y, uh, Meekin shows up. Yeah. <laughs> I think this, and to jump ahead a little bit, Emma Sky shows up, right? is like again okay it goes to that this game is clearly like just trying to pack in as many references to Ace Attorney as possible but also oh sorry also Old Bag shows up but this is the point I want to make is about Meekins and Emma because this is the first time they could show up because that fifth case of game one came out after the rest of the trilogy you know it like came out in a weird order ah. or maybe it didn't come out after Trials and Tribulations, but it definitely came out after Game 2, because there's like, no, there's references to Trials and Tribulations in it as well. So, yeah, it's really it's really interesting that they're like, okay, we can finally, like, put these characters into other cases and other games now, because that's just how the actual ordering goes. Yeah, I thought, like, 
you were talking about fan service, and this case definitely leans on that. I think I did too much. Like, I, I, I love seeing Emma again. I don't know about Olbach. I'm not, like, <laughs> the biggest fan, like, you are. But, um... <laughs> Wait! <laughs> when have I said that I'm a fan of Oldberg? You literally edited like the the last episode, like the the trilogy of like season three uh, of the podcast, to include a mention of her. Like, <laughs> That's post recording. I did do that, but only because it annoyed me so much that I'd forgotten to mention it. <laughs> I'm a fan of Oldberg, but only like out of spite, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. But yeah, I mean, it's just. I mean, I don't want to, like, jump too ahead uh, in the case, but it's, like, they kind of show up for, like, 10 minutes, and then mm-hmm. that's it. And it's, like, yeah. okay. I did find, especially with Emma, right, she shows up, and it's really useful because then we get, like, at first it's great because we've got the combination of Emma, Kay, and Edgeworth, and I think those three, like... Firstly, the way that they interact with each other, but also the way that they bring mechanics in. So obviously, Emma coming back in means that we can bring in some of those investigation mechanics that came up, like around forensic science and stuff in the fifth case of the first game. Hmm. And then we are also introduced to Kay's Little Thief, which can like recreate crime scenes and stuff. And then obviously, we have Edgeworth's investigation and logic and stuff. And I think all of those three work really well together, and it really builds into like actually feeling like you're doing an investigation. Yeah. And then Emma vanishes. <laughs> <laughs> It's honestly really weird because then a bit later on we talk about like Luminol again and stuff, but like she's not here. Like she's introduced Luminol and then she's gone. Yeah, that was really weird. Yeah, I literally thought that uh, she was gonna stick around, uh, and no, it does not happen for some reason. I don't know. I mean, literally, as you were saying that, I'm like picturing that dynamic during this case specifically, and I think it would have helped with like. I mean, there are a lot of characters almost, like, all the time. Uh, so, m- I mean, if that's part of the reason, like, I kind of get it. But I don't know, like, seeing her, like, again in, like, the lower half would have been nice. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Like, yeah, okay, there's a lot of characters, but I think you can prioritize based on the ones that are going to make it more interesting. And Ember yeah. is definitely one of those, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I mean, Ember doesn't show up. Like, we've jumped ahead a little bit because we haven't talked about the fact that they do find a dead body. <laughs> oh, yeah. Before Emma shows up. Who is Ernest Butler, whose name is Oliver something. And earlier, Ernest was talking about how he went missing. And so we're investigating, you know, his murder. I mean, at first, Kay finds the body and Edgeworth is like, wow, she must really be in shock. And then doesn't do anything <laughs> to help her, which is kind of funny. Also, at one point, Edgeworth's like, wow, I've seen too many dead bodies at the moment, which is really funny because this is set before he goes back to his office and finds another dead body. <laughs> so I think that case one should have drawn attention to that, like, right at the beginning. It should have been like, Jesus Christ, three times in, like, 12 hours. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Lang arrests Mike Meekins, like, immediately for this. Um, and Edgeworth's like... Edgeworth's, like, so offended by this like i can't believe the cops would arrest innocent people and edra's like this is not how we do things and i'm like are you sure like are you sure <laughs> and this is one thing that i think is weird right because again okay it goes back to what i was saying about how it would have been more interesting if they tied this into edra thinking about his position in the criminal justice system right but it's also weird because they're acting like, oh, this is just how they do things in Zeng Fa. it's like such a police state or whatever but like we know they also do that in America, quote-unquote America, of this world, right? So it's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. 
And speaking about quote-unquote America, a lot of this case hinges on the fact that, quote, with current gun laws, it's not easy to get your hands on a gun. A lot of unbelievable things happen at Ace Attorney, but that is the first one. (laughs) That is the number one, I should say. Not first, but like, you know, highest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yikes. Now, Lang and Edgeworth don't get along. Definitely have a rivalry going, like we were saying. Now... Lang does flirt with Edgeworth a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I noticed that, so you know that it's like <laughs> way on purpose on, like during conversations. I mean, the thing is, I like, okay, I know you say I noticed it as in like you noticed it, it makes sense. I do understand why you said that, but also I noticed it even with my heart being set on Edgeworth slash Phoenix, right? Like, there are people in the fandom who ship Lang and Edgeworth and... I've got to admit, he does call him, quote, my ignorant little pretty boy. (laughs) I can't argue with that. Um, what else? Yeah, so after that, Lang kicks out Edgeworth from the investigation, which is a fun, like, twist on the fact that, like, Phoenix is always getting kicked out of crime scenes, right? (laughs) Usually by Edgeworth. But yeah, as the investigation progresses, so this is the point we meet Emma, I said, gee, Mr. Edgeworth, why do you get two little weird girls? (laughs) but unfortunately he doesn't for very long that's pro i guess that's probably why they took emma out right because they were like well we have k already but put put two put two girls in it it's great yeah we have a kind of examination with old bag which i found really interesting because it was the first one where like we weren't just arguing against somebody like in basically a cross-examination in a trial but we were just like using it to find out more information which i think is like an interesting way to break up the investigations because otherwise it would be just like a lot of talking yeah um and speaking of breaking up investigations this is also when we get introduced to little thief which i did mention earlier but it's like this hologram where they can recreate the crime scenes and then when they get more information they can like add stuff to it and where there's contradictions then we find out more information and i think i like it it's like a fun way of adding something to the investigations i think it's honestly weird that like they introduced k and little thief and like all these returning characters in this case like we're like halfway through the game at this point yeah i was wondering like how like how many cases we have left for this game yeah it's five cases in total and the next one seems to be shorter right why don't why don't we find out we're gonna have to find out at some point anyway according to this it's five hours long no wait, oh. this, is invest- this investigation's two i'm wrong this investigation's two this is the okay. problem for for next time we're playing this game uh it's called turnabout reminiscence and it's it's four hours so it's basically the same as this one ah no never mind yeah and yet speaking again about the the way that this case is paced i think this is the point where it starts to get more annoying right (laughs) and i think it's a weird trade-off between in ace attorney trilogy you are constantly like walking around between different places and when you're in an investigation it can often be like where do i need to go like i've missed something that i need to investigate or whatever whereas in investigations we keep getting cut off from doing stuff by people walking on screen like lang comes in and kicks you out and then like lance shows up who was supposed uh lance amino who was the the kid who was kidnapped and like Things are constantly being cut off and moved on. Like, obviously not without you getting all the information first, but, like, it definitely breaks things up more, but it also, like, cuts down your options of just, like, what order you're doing stuff in and, like, 
I don't know. It's like a weird trade-off between those. And clearly it doesn't work very well, but it's weird. And then I think the other thing is like, I don't know what exactly causes this because it's definitely a problem in the other two cases as well. But we're just not as invested in the characters. Hmm. Oh, I'm not. I shouldn't say we, but... <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Like, I know that I love Kay, right? But like, she's <laughs> not really doing anything in this case that's like actually directly related right it's really fun to have her around but why should i care about like oh what happened in the lance kidnapping really like i'm just not that invested i guess one part is in the trilogy you always have somebody to defend right so you really want to find out what happened because you have somebody sort of relying on you and those defense characters are usually pretty well fleshed out at the beginning like you feel empathy for them right right obviously it helps in a case where it's like maya or somebody but you're usually like like i'm thinking about for example like even in a bad case like turn about big top you are somehow like investing in max galactica right i guess mm -hmm. he's a bad example <laughs> but they they try to do it at least because he has like that whole reveal where like oh he's actually like some kind of rural guy like he cries a lot when he's supposed to be like really showy and stuff like that you know they try and invest you in him um, and I guess you kind of get that with, like, Mike Meekins here, but I don't know, just the actual setup doesn't feel so, like, the stakes, again, we've talked so much about stakes in these, but it just doesn't feel that, that high. Yeah, I just keep thinking that, I mean, we're never in court, so it's like, yeah, they try and often succeed, maybe, to try and recreate, like, what happens during court uh, in the trilogy, but it's like... Yeah, I mean, as you were saying, like, it's, it's a difference, like, okay, yeah, every case ends with, like, okay, yeah, like, arrest the suspect or the murderer or whatever, and, like, we, we define things in court, it's like, you never get to yeah, see that. Yeah, they literally say that at the end of this one, right? Like, ah, oh, well, we'll see what happens to him in court, and it's just like, well, we won't, we won't, though, so, like, I don't know, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I definitely think it goes to, like, Okay, the investigations in Ace Attorney Trilogy can be kind of similar to this, but then there's always that really tense court battle, whereas these, because the arguments are just part of the investigations, it definitely doesn't feel as tense. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we are introduced to another character called Lauren, who is Lance's girlfriend, um, and who I really only bring up. I kind of need to for the rest of the case, but mostly I want to talk about the line where Lauren is talking about how she's not really sure whether she's actually in a relationship with lands or not and uh edra says shouldn't all the parties involved just naturally know which is one of the most fanfic uh spawning lines in the whole series <laughs> because a lot of people like the idea that like edgeworth just thinks he's dating phoenix and phoenix obviously doesn't think this because they haven't had any kind of conversation about it ah okay it's very funny <laughs> it's a very funny line about Edgeworth and then it's a very good way of like building that kind of tension where you're like working for a canal but obviously they're not actually together but like if you did want to read every single other interaction between Phoenix and Edgeworth from now on as Edgeworth thinks that they're together he just thinks they should naturally know I genuinely think it would work so yeah <laughs> speaking of fan service we're jumping around quite a lot in this but it's fine going back to the fan service point the weird cop theme park is called Gatewaterland, like a gatewater hotel from the first game where red white is staying <laughs> when he murders mia Fey. and if you remember the butler he's implied to be in the proto badger costume and he never takes it off but that's like again like the way that this game like really puts in easter eggs for people who, like me, know way too much about the series. 
<laughs> and I think it's really fun, but it's also like, look, I'm not saying I'm not enjoying it, so I'm being hypocritical here. But it's that very Ready Player One style of being like, oh, this is great because I recognized a thing. Like, it doesn't actually do anything. It doesn't say anything. There's no themes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, like, interesting for any reason other than being like, oh, the butler, remember him? However, I like it. I love garbage. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think I like more how they use, like, for example, like, uh, Viola afterwards. Like, that made That's sense a, Another one. <laughs> yeah, See, another one. That one makes sense because it feels like it is okay again we're just talking about how much they can pack into this case right they pack in so much but that all makes sense because it makes it feel like everything exists in a connected world right where like lance borrowed a bunch of money from somebody well it makes sense that that's the loan sharks that we know already exist right mm -hmm. yeah yeah i thought that was a, like a nice like a nice touch because it's not like they lean or that or like they give you like a flashback <laughs> or something it's like yeah yeah i mean it's a detail from like a uh, a case that happened and it's that's it, but it's good to, like, recognize the name and be like, oh, yeah, it's them. For a second, I thought that she might show up. I couldn't remember. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of expecting something more. Uh, I didn't mind that it didn't happen, but I was fully expecting, like, something. Yeah. So we eventually find out, and by eventually, I mean pretty quickly, find out that, like, Lauren and Lance planned the... Well, at first it's Lauren and Oliver planned the kidnapping together. And then we find out that, like, Lance was also in on it because he wanted the money for himself, right? And this all plays out very quickly. And it goes back to what I was saying, right, about how, like, they don't really develop stuff. Like, it doesn't mean anything to me that Lauren was the kidnapper. Even though I think Lauren has potential as a character, she doesn't... I don't actually care about her, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I can feel that I could, but I don't. It's weird. <laughs> and then... This goes back to what we were saying about there not being a defendant. Like, that means that Mike Meekins is very suddenly off the hook, right? So that's kind of interesting thematically because it goes back to, like, what they were saying about how they just arrest people for no reason. But it means now that, like, okay, we want to find out what happened, kind of, but why do we want to find out? We don't actually have anyone now to, like, defend. Although, we then get into the situation, and this, this part I did like, but again, like, okay... I liked it very conceptually, and I liked it when I thought about it a lot in my brain. Whereas I wish they'd put it into the text, and then it would have hit harder, I think. Where, <laughs> so obviously someone shot Oliver, and Lance basically tries to pin it on Lauren. And that is very resonant because of DL6, right? Like, Edgeworth has a very strong reason to defend Lauren in this situation. Hold it! It's, once again, Jay from the future, coming straight from the editing bay. I somehow forgot to say during this whole part that Oliver was Lauren's father, which of course is fairly significant to its parallels with DL6. So I had to, once again, jump in here and actually make that clear. Oops. Sorry. And he does kind of imply... Uh, Kay says, oh, do you think she's lying? Because she, like, genuinely believes that she did it. Again, it's another DL6 thing, right? Like, parallel. Yeah. So Kay asks if he thinks that she's lying, and Edra says, you would be surprised how often people lie without knowing it. So it's very deliberately set up to be, like, DL6. But this whole thing happens across, like, maybe 15 minutes in, like, the last third of the game. Whereas if we had, like, a trial, it could be something that came out at the end of a trial. You know, we've built up to this tension across the whole trial. Then we have a sudden reset we go and do investigations to find out what evidence can we find that like whether Lauren did or didn't do this like if you followed the actual pacing of Turn About Goodbye is more it's not Turn About Goodbye what's it called the, the DL6 one anyway in, in the first mm. game 
obviously it wouldn't have hit as hard because that first game built up so much to Edgeworth being the defendant and all that kind of stuff. But it could have hit just as hard, but in its own way, where it's like, oh, this is a recreation of DL6, basically. And like, how does that affect Edgeworth? What are the thematic resonances of this? Whereas it's more just like, okay, this does parallel it, but then it's brought in pretty late with a character that we don't really care about. And then it's solved pretty quickly. Yeah, it's so late that it basically just like... I completely missed the reference. Like, I'm reading now and being like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't think they had to be too heavy-handed with it, but they definitely could have made it more obvious, right? Mm -hmm. Another thing which I noticed, which was definitely like, oh yeah, this is good thematically, but like, just a little thing that people might not have noticed is that, obviously, we kind of know at this point that Lance basically set this whole thing up. And that's another thing, is like, there's no, like, once narratively Lauren is in the position where we need to defend her, there's no one else who it could be who's the bad guy except Lance basically right which has happened in the trilogy but then also we sometimes get really fun subversions of that in the trilogy for example in dl6 when it turns out that manfred did the whole thing like when this came up in that case like we did not know whether or not edgeworth did it like we kind of felt like okay i kind of don't believe edgeworth did it because of the game like we kind of want to defend him but who else could it have been like at that point there is no indication right Whereas in this one, like, Lance is shady as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the little things about that, like, okay, we kind of know it through the whole narrative, but one thing that I really like about it is that he talks so much about, like, oh, I can't even get the handcuffs off yet. Like, I've been freed from kidnap, but I'm not fully free because we can't find the handcuff keys. But when he does his damage animation, like, when you point something out to him that he doesn't like, the handcuffs come off, like, they fly off and he, like, puts them back on, (laughs) which is a fun metaphor of him, like, it all being a lie, basically. I did like that moment. (laughs) Yeah, notice i thought you were gonna like mention the the breakdown of the animation at the end but i haven't paid notice to that specifically that's cool do you want to talk about the breakdown animation because i thought it was boring <laughs> no i mean just like he's like breaking the the handcuff in that animation yeah, he does break them but i thought it was interesting because it kind of ties into me with the whole thing about it being not so tense is that there's not a huge breakdown at the end because it hasn't really earned it do you know well, what i mean yeah 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 so yeah like lance has a breakdown animation but like i could barely tell you what happens in it yeah it's I mean, I've been saying this in like almost like every case, I think, this game specifically. But it's just like, you find out like pretty much everything and it's like, okay, now you're going to spend like 15 or 20 minutes like finding evidence or like trying to prove it basically through yeah. like six conversations. <laughs> so yeah, speaking of which, the thing that happens is that Ernest, like, even though Lance pretended to be kidnapped so that he could steal a million dollars from him Ernest is like I've forgiven him and I just bought like the park so now I'm not gonna let you investigate and like get proof that Lance killed somebody which is a fun twist because like I said earlier like he's introduced as like this magnanimous billionaire and then it turns out no such thing (laughs) Uh, (laughs) which is fun thematically but like you say when it actually plays out it's just like oh for god's sake like how are we gonna prove this thing that we already know kind of thing which yeah it does happen in the trilogy but it does just feel different here like it just doesn't it's just not interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's not even a thing to say. Like, we make a creation of the... A recreation of the crime scene using Little Thief, which is fun. Again, fun thematically. Because Kay has all these Robin Hood vibes and, like, that's specifically called out in the text. And we managed to prove, like, and beat the billionaires by using her text. So I do <laughs> really like that, but it's not... Like, I didn't really take any notes on how they actually do it because it's just like, yeah, whatever. Eventually we prove that he did do it. Yeah. And yeah, he also I mean... hit... He was also the guy in the Proto Badger outfit, so... That's the worst thing that you can do is wear that outfit and also hit Edgeworth in the head. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, and then so once we get past that part, which is annoying, we get more about how this ties into the whole overall thing. So a fun thing that happens at the end is that Portsman and his partner show up. So like it shows like them together right before Portsman kills him, basically. <laughs> and after that, Edgeworth is like, oh, I want to go back to the office. And so you know, like what's about to happen with that. So that kind of ties into the bigger picture. And then also with the bigger picture, we talk more about what happened to Lang and why he hates prosecutors uh Lang does say to him you're the corrupt prosecutor right that's not a direct quote and Edgeworth's like I would never forge evidence I'm just like are you absolutely sure I do think that's interesting actually going back to I I know you were joking but like presenting this game to a new audience and Edgeworth being like I'm a saint yeah 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 exactly I do think it's interesting that like they don't dig into that when this is supposed to be his own game curious as to how that will work with investigations too because I'm pretty sure I don't know if they dig into like the part where Edgeworth did like ruin a bunch of people's lives but they definitely (laughs) dig into like what it means to be a prosecutor so interesting and then uh at the very end we find out that Kay and Edgeworth have met before and we're gonna have a flashback to when that was yep so still tying everything together in every single case which is it's interesting I think yeah I mean right now it's like I wonder if it's gonna pay off in the end (laughs) I hope it does because it's I mean it's so like interesting but I'm like hmm okay how all of this is gonna like I don't know end up being like once it's like on the table like fully I guess yeah I definitely have some thoughts about that so I keep my mouth shut but I'm still also curious but yeah I've been finding this game really interesting because coming into it I really I've heard people say oh I study investigations has pacing issues but I wasn't really expecting it to be so hardcore based on like how the game is set up in a different way to the trilogy. So I've been finding that really interesting, even though it's kind of disappointing in a way, obviously. Obviously, I wish this game was great, right? Because it's it's Edra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been super interesting so far. So I think this flashback is going to be fun. I, again, don't remember a ton of it, but I remember... I mean, you, you've seen who shows up, one of the people who shows up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the, the sprite. <laughs> There you go. So uh, we were going to have some more Francisca action in the next case. Yay. Uh, I have one more point to make on this one, which is that Lauren repeatedly keeps saying like, oh, I can't be attracted to Edgeworth. I have a fiancé or whatever. And Edgeworth just is completely oblivious to it, even when Kay like points it out to him. Just going back to that thread, I just want to bring it up one more time. Because we <laughs> talked about that with relation to uh, Tadero. Mm-hmm. Just, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, going back to what I was saying about the... Obviously, like, that's just one little thing and it's kind of funny. But to go back to what I was saying about investigations as a whole, like, I'm still really enjoying, like, being in Edra's head and, like, seeing more of his characterization. And unironically, that is a big part of his characterization that I'm enjoying seeing, so... Yeah, it's really... I think it's really well done. Even, like, we know the character already. Like, you were saying, I think, in the last episode, like, it's super interesting to see, like, the... the almost, like, constant inner monologues that he has. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it, it does like bring out a completely different element to him which i am enjoying a lot <laughs> but yeah i think um i don't know i'm enjoying this but i'm looking forward to investigations too because i think it has more thematic and narrative stuff that i thought was also included in this one so curious interesting to keep going but did you have anything else that you wanted to say on this case diego that mm, i really hoping they have like another like not horror sequence, but like <laughs> something like scary, like the one that happens in the beginning of this one, because it was really well done. No, no one's like, I, 
I want to see I more of her. I hope they don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's our first ever disagreement. I mean, I just want to say, like, I don't know, pitch a story on, oh, yeah, the, the horror themes on the Ace Attorney series or something like that. Do it. So I'm like, please feed me more examples. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to publish your first Ace Attorney article because I will take credit for it. And it will be so exciting to me to like not be the only person writing about Ace Attorney. That's not true. There's a lot of games journalists who love Ace Attorney, but I want you to be one of them. <laughs> oh, I wish they like if any editor is listening to this, um <laughs> I wish they they will do like a I don't know if double byline or like publish like two different like opens or something like that on something specific about Ace Attorney. Like from both of us. That would be really funny. That would be great. I think genuinely once we finish the entire series, we would probably be able to put an article somewhere that's like, what we learned during a close reading of the entire Ace Attorney series by Lance, Diego Arreixo, and Jacob Stiller. Yeah, it's just gonna be like 5k words from you and me just being, <laughs> and me just being like, oh, I love the gumshoe song, and that's it. I invoke my right not to comment. <laughs> uh. Alright, anything else on this case? No. I have a pun, well, but we can circle back to that later. We have to do our Twitter handles first. You can find me on Twitter at jmcastello, and you can find the show at Breakdown AA. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at trwaysher66. That's our waiter. Um, do you know? <laughs> do you know what Lang's favorite video game is? One, I one do that not. inspires his work often, actually. <laughs> I do not. It's uh, the Wolf Among Us, which doesn't doesn't make. I don't think it's gonna hit. <laughs> that much because I think we, we didn't like mention that he's like we did not actually mention the fact that he is obsessed with wolves but the thing about it is like unironically they would have put that part in the game like I genuinely believe it so <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening we will be back next on in two weeks with uh, Turnabout Reminiscence which is four hours long <laughs> so hopefully it's well paced we'll see we'll see goodbye bye